the moment you've all been waiting for. Adam Liverpool, England! It was super necessary. And welcome back to Super Necessary. It's been a bit of a while since we last come back. We just with an episode, but we're really happy to be back and delighted to say that joining us today are two of the most prominent names in UK MMA at the moment. Uh, Ian M16 Butlin and Jamie the Haymaker Hay. You all right, guys? How are you doing, boys? Are we all okay? Really, really good, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, all, all good from this side, except for uh, water loading this week for a weight cut. So, that's nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Jamie, if Jamie's a bit little grumpy and narking, we'll just we'll just have to keep smiling and laughing. <laughs> yeah, we, we we understand. We understand. He's purposely made his room dark so you can't see him sat sulking. <laughs> that, that, that's what I've done. <laughs> He's made himself look a bit more. Uh, Bit more scary with, with the light in front of me. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's just him. That's just him when he's cutting. <laughs> I'm usually pretty. I'm usually pretty angry anyway. Never mind. When it's uh, just a, a few days out from a fight, so. Oh, I'm, all right, I'm all right. It's been all right. It's been all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, obviously, like you said, Jamie, you've got your fight in a few days' time. So, really appreciate you taking the time off from all of that to join us today and uh ian i think we we actually i think we actually asked you quite a while ago to come on and we agreed and we never got round to arranging it so glad we finally got round to it today <laughs> i hope that wasn't my fault i'm pretty bad at replying but <laughs> no you know what i think i think it was us to be honest oh, with you i think it was our fault on this well, one I'll so let, uh, i'll let you have the full blame then yeah we'll take it it was your fault anyway and you've got both of us together so there that's it go, it's yeah. an absolute treat for us um so, first things first, what we normally start with is just asking our guests how they got started in MMA in general. So, Ian, do you want to go first with that one? Yeah, um, I was, um, I'd competed in uh, in judo as a kid when I was about eight years old. So, I, you know, I kind of got a taste for the martial arts. If I wanted to actually do karate, because karate kid had come out back then and everyone else, all my friends would do karate. My mum and dad didn't want us kicking and punching each other, so... They, they had a friend who was a judo coach, so he took us to judo. So that's how I started. And then um, and then I, I moved on to, um, I did Thai boxing with Rama Thai boxing club under Steve Hatley. And then, um, and then, and then started my boxing, my amateur boxing career under a guy called Ian Midwood and um, his foster dad, uh, Keith Tate, who, um, who was one of the, like the greatest coaches around here. Like a lot of the pros went on from his amateur gym. So it's, um, you know, it was a big name. So I did, I, I ended up, I boxed for England, like I boxed in Cyprus and the Seychelles represented England and um, really enjoyed the amateur boxing and stuff. But um, I'd, around 1999, I met a guy called Les Allen. Les Allen had been training over, um, he, he was first over at um, the Lions Den. So he passed the Lions Den tryout. I think he's one of the only UK guys to do that. I don't know if you guys know the old Lions Den tryout, but it was quite famous back in the day, like for being really brutal. And um he ended up then training with um, Ken Shamrock and then he trained with Shamrock 2000, which was Frank's when uh, they sort of split off. Um, mm. So 
I think his actual fight in America was under uh, what would have been titled Shamrock 2000. Uh, he then moved over to Pancras um, in Japan and fought. He was one of the first English guys to, to fight in Pancras in Japan. That was in 99. And then he came back and it just happened that when I was looking around, I'd, I'd actually read it. I got a Ken Shamrock book. And um, so then when I'm on, I go on Google and I'm looking for, like, is there any way you can train this kind of stuff? Because obviously I'd done judo, I'd done uh, tie boxing, I'd done boxing, and I thought, this is brilliant. You know, I've seen, we've seen, UA, it was UFC 2 that came out, actually, before UFC 1. So we've seen UFC 2, we got it on VHS and stuff. And so I'm looking into this, I bought the Ken Shamrock book, and then, like, what are the chances that you find SFUK Forum and a guy who's just been interviewed by Carl Fisher, who's trained with Ken and Frank Shamrock? Like, it just seemed like, how can that be true in Halifax? Do you know what I mean? And I still think, like, to this day, like, Les is one of the best kept secrets in UK MMA. I mean, the guy fought in America and Japan before anyone in the country really even knew, you know, what, what MMA, well, it wasn't even called MMA then. So yeah. I started training um, around that time. So I ended 99, started 2000. Um, and his style was like basically what he got from the, you know, from the, uh, the training with um, Ken and Frank over in America. And then the training that he did at Pancras Lab in, um, in, um, in Tokyo. So there was a, a very good mix that you could sort of describe as like the sort of Japanese shoot fighting kind of um, style. Um, very different to what to anything that you know that you'd, you'd see as uh, what was the early BJJ that was around at that time. Um, so I trained with Les for for a couple of years, and it was brutal. You know, like there's no denying the fact that like, like people talk about training Valetudo these days, that they've got absolutely got no clue. You know, the only guys I know that, have, that sort of went through that was, you know, guys like Andy Cooper back in the day, Spenner. Um, and some of the other big names, Mabzi and that, that have come out of um, of Lezer's gym. Like we did, like often bare knuckle valet tudo. And if it wasn't uh, bare knuckle, wearing harbingers with the uh, with the the middle bit cut out. So it was like you know, like uh, it was it was pretty brutal. Um, I left Lezer's around uh, 2001, 2002. I competed in a submission league that Carl Tanzel had set up. Um, Les had a thing back then because he he sort of got he went down a real uh, Buddhist path of like and it was really into like the sort of no competing and things like that. So basically, um, I was really keen to compete. I'd be competing as an amateur boxer and I wanted to compete. And I think there's a conflict of our ideas of of where either of us wanted to go. He wanted to go on this, you know, a, a bit more of a spiritual journey, and I wanted to to, um, to to compete and stuff. And I think that maybe led to a, a bit of the split. Um, around that time, so I competed at the Submission League, I think it was a start 2003. Same sort of time, um, Roberto Tallow had got in touch. Um, on the, he was on the SFUK forum and he was asking for somewhere he could train um, uh, in the UK. He'd, um, he, uh, he was three times world champion, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and black belt silver medalist. You know, beating guys like Shaolin and, you know, like, like very good high level. And there wasn't really any black belts Back then in, in the country, I think it was Mauricio Gomez, maybe. And um, I think I, I remember Braulio coming over and training with him as a brown belt. So, um, you know, he was uh, Roberto was like one of the first black belts that was brought over. And he came and he, and he moved in with me and Dave um, here in Huddersfield. And so I got to train like with a black belt, a high level black belt, you know, um, sort of day in, day out while we were building the old quantum gym. So, I mean, and then I think pretty much from there, like, my career and everything's been pretty, you know, like 
pretty out there. I, I, I fought in Cage Warriors five times, fought for the Cage Warriors title, I fought for Cage Race title. Um, King of the Cage UK, unfortunately, the fight with Charles Bennett, he didn't get through customs, so I, I trained really hard for that fight and it fell through and, I, and that caused me a lot of... Um, of uh, issues where I just sort of lost motivation really in the sport and stuff. And I think I, after that, I didn't really perform to the best of my ability. Uh, uh, the fights in M1, I think I'd grown too big to cut to lightweight and I didn't perform to my best. And then I've kind of just worked into like the coaching. Firstly, I was coaching M16 MMA and Team Quantum um, just because of arguments with my brother where I split from Quantum a few times. But that, I mean, that still goes on like on a daily basis with my twin brother. That's, that's the thing with twins. But then um, uh, when I've worked with Jamie recently, like, so, so the last sort of five, six years, me and Jamie, obviously we're commentating together and then we started training together and we've really pushed like the Rio Grappling Club, which Roberto had always wanted me from, like from back in 2003. Um, he'd wanted me to, to, to push the Rio Grappling Club England as a, you know, as a brand and as, um, as a team. I took him up to to meet uh, Paul McVeigh and um, and and Gaz and the guy and James Doolan, and the guys up there. Uh, we all got our blue belts back in two thousand three at the same time, and I just went sort of like down the no gi route, and uh, I, I, I I I sort of went away from the gi stuff and didn't really focus on real grapplers. It's only recently with Jamie. Jamie's um, Jamie's like got a lot more of a of a, a gi player than I am, and. Uh, we, we, we work well with each other. Like um, I like the Nogi, he likes the Gi, but we both do bits of both. And we're just trying to help build the brand of Rio Grappling Club and, um, you know, and, and still like pushing the MMA side of things as well. So but I know that's a long-winded answer. But, <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been like 22 years, so it's quite a lot to us. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. You've got so much, uh, so much experience. It's, I suppose it's hard to just put it into one sentence, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if anyone didn't know, they do now. You know I mean? <laughs> and um, I, I, you mentioned Rio Grappling. They, you, I, I've used recently started Rio Grappling in Manchester as well. Is that um, that like yeah, a new well, thing? That, that, so that's my uh, that's my gym. Uh, so I had a gym beforehand. Uh, me and him working together at that, at that point anyway. Um, and we decided to just fully transition over. And uh, I went under Roberto Vitale myself then. Um, who's a fantastic coach and real, I mean, uh, one of the best guys I've, I've probably done the mats with, just knowledge, ability, just everything, you know, uh, yeah, I think four-time world champion or three-time world champion, 50-degree black belt. So we're very, very lucky to have him. And that's obviously through the connection of what Ian's had for, for many years. Uh, and he's been Ian's longest standing coach. So, you know, we, we're very, very lucky to have him. But um, we pretty much, oh, we had Rio Griffin Huddersfield sort of open as well as uh, transitioning uh, my, my my what was Haymaker BJJ originally into mm. Rio Grappling Manchester, so we uh, we decided to sort of not amalgamate it, sort of, but work together uh, with the England team with me and Ian, and, and, and like I say, just just try and build from there. And we've also got Des Parker on board now yeah. as well, who <clears throat> just got his black belt off Roberto when he was over. So um, we've got Des running Rio Grappling up at Burnley. So we've got the three teams to work together and just growing as uh, as we go and, and and really just like. Like I said, we're just enjoying training and stuff, isn't it? As good as a team, we've all got different skills and abilities, so it's working really well. Yeah. And um, obviously, Jay, I, I don't think we got your thoughts. I know you mentioned like you message with your commentators and you're working together, but what was your yeah. start before before meeting Ian? So, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, slightly different to Ian. 
the way I got into it. Um, I've done. Uh, my dad was my dad was quite um, was very good at sort of karate and with uh, and shoulder cam back in the day on the full contact stuff. He was really good. And I, as a kid, I was what sort of wanted to go up and do that. And I, and I did start start doing it. Uh, but I played quite a lot of football as a kid, so it was kind of a choice of the two. And I decided to go down playing sort of more the football route and enjoying that. And then as I got a bit older, I started getting into a bit more kickboxing. Um, and I ended up going down with my cousin, actually, and a couple of friends to SPG Manchester. Now, Carl had just left, uh, Carl Sandler had just left the UK at this point. So this was like 2009, I think it was. Um, and he, he'd sort of sort of gone. And Matt Inman had took the reins. Um, so I sort of started just only doing sort of a couple of days a week down there, really. And just, I just sort of fell in love with the grappling side. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, SPG shut. Uh, so the old Manchester gym, which is in Northern Quarter, which Ian will remember, the old red mats in the, ba- in the sort of basement style, um, they, they sort of shut down. It was kind of like I really sort of sort of fell in love with it, and I'd actually took a fight on Icon, which Ian ended up commentating on. Um, so that was a sort of like a start of my real sort of amateur career. It was what they called, but it was the real amateurs back then. Uh, and then you had like sort of semi-pro and then the, the pro level as well. So um, I kind of I, I had a couple of fights early on, sort of 2010. And then I just sort of stopped. Um, there was no real, I don't know, gyms around my area. Yeah. Um, I think Ian will I say this as well, there wasn't really many about, um, even going back to 2010, there wasn't loads of gyms about like there is now. There was, you, you had sort of, it was a bit more travel to somewhere to get in somewhere and, and that was to find an okay gym. You had to then look at what the better gym was. So I ended up uh, going down a different route, which was into working with FCC. Uh, and I started actually matchmaking for them, working with Adam. Uh, yeah. Managed to blag, blag my way into his first show, basically, for free, by saying <laughs> to do some work for him that I never did. He <laughs> <laughs> still never forgives me for that, but I don't give a shit. Uh, so thank Adam for the push on that one. Um, but, uh, so I decided to, to go down that route of uh, sort of working with, with Adam. And we, we built a really good brand. And I think, you know, if anyone that knows how much you're seeing, uh, knows the impact that sort of I probably had early on with myself and Adam working, uh, trying to, unify things and get things more in place and get, uh, you know, fighter interviews and things like that. And, you know, things like this would never have happened 10 years mm. ago and uh, with, with any amateur fighter. So we've decided to, to look at the amateurs and use, treat them as pros and, and see where it went. And it went really well. And then from that, I ended up working uh, with a, a company called Shinobi, which is still to this day, the best uh, brand that I've worked with. Uh, big shout out to Paul Reed uh, and Ian Munsberger as well. And that's where me and Ian, uh, we'd started working on ice together, haven't we? I think yeah. at this point, yeah. and we decided to sort of um, sort of get together on, on Shinobi as well, and that, that that sort of started taking off. And as that was taking off, you know, uh, I I started training a little bit more and getting back in and doing 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 a few things, and I ended up going down to Blackburn MMA uh, and staying down there for a few years, for a good few years. And at this point, um, you know, Ian was in, pretty much in my corner for every fight. Uh, early on, uh, always there. So it was good because Tom, although it was at Blackledge MMA, Tom's been a good friend of mine. So he was back on the old Ultimate Combat, like like I said, 2002, 2003. So I'd known Tom from a long time before. So he was very comfortable with having us in the uh, in the corner, me and Jamie working together. And I know how good uh, Tom is as a coach. So it was it was good. It worked well, didn't it? Uh, yeah. And, uh, it, it worked really well. And like I say, you know, it gave me a real foundation. Uh, it let me really push the grappling, which I love so much. Um, 
and it allowed me to go down that route and sort of really start to to look at fighting. And then again, I re sort of re relaunched my amateur career at that point and and started doing pretty well with it. And um, again, enjoying myself. Um, just just traveling about, uh, commentating. You got right into everywhere. the BJJ as well. You were doing a lot of the yeah. gear. Well, that's where your geese stuff started, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so at this point, like I say, early on. Because so I was still doing the no-gi completely at that point. <laughs> yeah, 2016, I think, 17, something like that, uh, I started in the gi. Um, I got my blue belt pretty quick because, in fairness, you know, I, I kind of took to the gi pretty well and I was already a, a pretty competent no-gi grappler. So I started really sort of pushing that side and then uh, a purple belt come under Roberto, like we were saying before. So um, and now, now I'm a brown under him as well. So it, it, was, it was kind of like... Uh, my, my, my path I always thought was going to go down that gi route fully but then I sort of I have this I fall in love with, with MMA you know every now and then and really want to give it a push like I'm doing now um, and I think you really, one of the things I think you really took to because when we had Primal and Primal was originally going to be a boxing gym wasn't it and I think yes. I came over doing the boxing and you got a real love for the boxing then didn't you like I think like Jamie's hands are underrated like like I think people will be shocked when they see like what you can do under pressure boxing and um, I do I do think for me personally I saw Jamie like really take to the, the boxing the way that I teach it like a, like a duck to water and, um, and I think Although we were, the the intention was to focus on building Rio Grappling Club. On the Tuesday that I was going up to Manchester, I was doing boxing for an hour. Then I was teaching wrestling for an hour, and then groundwork on the no gi. While Jamie was on the other days doing the gi stuff, and I think because Jamie's like really enjoyed the the boxing, the the wrestling, and then it was like I'm gonna have another MMA fight. <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty pretty much, and like like I say, I kind of uh, I really sort of fell back in love with it. I, I would say if it wasn't for, uh, for the COVID sort of patch, I'd have probably been well more active anyway because I was so yeah. into it, and, and we were still and we were still training behind closed doors anyway that whole time. We just wasn't able to. We're allowed to say that now, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Fuck Boris. Yeah, uh, they're having all parties, so why not? That, that's exactly right. Our, our parties were fighting each other in a gym, so fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> You know, there's, there's no brass or fucking cocaine involved in our gym. So, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Christmas, yeah. Christmas party yeah. that's got some... <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. It was sweaty, though. No brass. But, no, so it, it was... It, like I say, I, I kind of fell back in love with it probably 2017. Again, really. And again, it was from working with Ian. Uh, you know, we spent we spend a lot of time together. We go on the road together. We are pretty much the active deck of MMA, I think. <laughs> and, always have been. Um, but he, 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 and the way Ian teaches really sort of coincides with the way I teach and you know I, I look at him as a, as a mentor to me as well as a coach and it's it's kind of worked in that way uh, where the respect level is always there with us and you know, he, you know do you know what the one person that's always known my ability and always shouting this is from back back early on when we first started was Ian and Ian was always saying like people would underrate me because they thought oh he's just a commentator wanting to give it a go and Ian's like no this guy can fight yeah. And nobody really, nobody got it until they seen me fight, and then went, I still don't oh. think that anyone's seen like the, the the real ability James got. I mean, I know you're probably going to come on to any questions, so I don't want to be jumping ahead. But like, like we're talking about the fight with with Lee Hammond at, um, at Bellator. Like, I, I I know John very well, and um, and and Dave Roach. So I know the coaching team, and I know like how well um, Lee Hammond had been spoken about, you know, and it might have looked like a, a stupid fight to take late, 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 late notice for Jamie, but I know Jamie's ability and, you know, it, it's more a testament to how good Lee Hammond is than the fact that Jamie wasn't ready because that was, 
you know, I, I, again, I think James showed some real good stuff in it in what was a, a, a real, you know, James is definitely stepping in as an underdog against someone who I think is going to be a future star. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, you mentioned yeah, so- um, Shinobi as well. Sorry to just jump in there. No, you mentioned problem. Shinobi. Um, it was was that, were they the first shows where you started commentating together, were they? Uh, no, so so we've done a I couple of shows. I think we had done ice, haven't we? We did that. We we done, yeah, so we've we done that. We've done ice together. Uh, so Ian, the first time Ian, Ian did ice, he'd just flown back from M1. Uh, and you'd been commentating it with M1. Uh, yeah. And basically, we'll, we'll be very, very truthful about this. Me and Ian's first commentary jobs was getting absolutely shit-faced <laughs> and talking about fights, right? But we happened to do it really well. Both getting shit for the, the thing was talking about the fights. So. I'll just say, like in my first, like I, I, I've been four years sober now. But I, I spent, I was an enthusiastic drinker, and um, especially with like you, you, what you got to think is like you know when you fly to Russia and the, the after show parties in Russia involve a lot of vodka drinking, <laughs> and uh, the, the, you know we we enjoyed the the, the parties. So I flown back from. Uh, it was either Moscow or St. Petersburg, landed with my voice sort of going because I'd been up part. I'd been working a big show. I think, like, you know, the, most of the shows over there were sort of 12,000 people. You could, you know, you lose your voice. So me and Ian Freeman will be doing that. And <laughs> then partying afterwards, which, you know, you, you've all woke up with your voice gone, right? You're just from partying. So let alone the commentary, then the party, and then get back and I'm working with Jamie. I'm, I don't know if that was, the, there was one of the ice shows where my voice had nearly completely yeah. gone because I'd literally <laughs> flown back and just get on. And it's like, I think the one thing you need as a commentator is a voice and mine was, <laughs> mine was yeah. still in Russia. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember that pretty well, actually. So yeah, that, that was a bit later on. That wasn't the first time we'd, yeah. we'd, trained, we'd, we'd uh, worked together. But yeah, that was one of the times, which is funny. But we basically, we, we like I say, for the first few shows, we'd literally, uh, Ian would always have the intention of driving to the show and driving home straight afterwards and not drinking. And every time he'd, he'd look at me and be like, you having a beer? I'm like, yeah, I'm having a beer. Are you having a beer? Yeah. And then 10 beers later, we're both shit-faced talking about fights. Well, like I say, we, we managed to do it really well, even shit-faced. So it was great. And we always had a laugh doing it. And we still we still do to this day. We don't get drunk now doing it. But we're just more professional now. Yeah, we, we, do, we do a proper job of it now. But back then, but the, the one thing we did with Shinobi was, uh, ice, ice was you know, Carl, Carl French used to do a fantastic job of matching on there, so you always had great fights. But the, the Shinobi show was like it was kind of like I think uh, John Cavanagh called it the, the UFC for amateurs, uh, when we interviewed him on there because it was, uh, it was just such a it was a, obviously the way they set it out in the Olympia. Um, I know this show's there now, but uh, it was the way they did it, it, it was, was everything the they did from you know, from even because Paul used his Rygo Mercedes, picked up the fighters from the airports. It's like it was all the little bits around the back scenes and stuff, uh, you know, and obviously having the best commentators, that kind of thing. That kind of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what they wanted to do, though. They, they wanted to make it the best show, and yeah, uh, you know, money, money was sort of just thrown into it by them, and, and, and thank god it worked for us because. Uh, you know, me and Ian obviously got to showcase what we could do because the, the, the fights on there, again, Carl's show uh, with Ice was amazing with, with the fights. Should, the Shinobi shows were probably some of the best match shows I've ever been to in my life. So even as a spectator, I'd love to go and watch it. But I was lucky to, from the from day one, uh, be involved with that. And it, when, even when it became Cage Warriors Academy, uh, we continued with the same guys. But just the way they set it up and some of the fights on there, I mean, you know, I mean, Jordan Barton's now doing doing big things over in Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, Maniac Pan, that, that was a great fight. You know, Maniac Pan yeah. was a champion on there. He then fought Jordan Barton, but 
there was that there was uh, Sheldon Reed um, up kick knockout, sorry front kick knockout wasn't there, which was uh, against uh, Calceas, and that was I mean me and Ian went viral with that with uh, with the MMA hour, didn't we? I think it was. We were yeah, it was Baz Rutten talking about it, wasn't it? It was yeah, quite surreal. I bet basically when I say went went viral. Just basically screaming and shouting. <laughs> it was that good to watch. But, uh, yeah. I think I was like, "That's the best knockout I've ever seen." <laughs> it was honestly like it was. It was. It was a. It was a front kick from nowhere that looked like it was going to put his head in the back of the. You know, the back of the building. Yeah, yeah. It was a beauty. It really, really was a beauty. Like I say, that that Shinobi show was just phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. I think there was Shinobi was always fun. You know, we, we, we've done a lot of. A lot of good shows. I think, like, I've got to say, the Shinobi times were really good, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. Again, though, even like you say, so you know, he'd always he'd always get me in in a hotel room, you know, and we could stay overnight before. We could, you know, everything like that. Everything that you get in in the in the bigger promotions, he did for all the guys, and he'd fly people in from Norway, uh, Iceland. Wherever he fly, and this was amateurs. This this wasn't yeah. he wasn't flying pros, and he was flying. You know, I remember when he brought all the um, the Mol- is it Mona? Mona, yeah. Mona guys, and he was the first one to do it. No one else did that. Paul Reed was the one who was like we're bringing these guys in. Uh, you know, we brought um, again the ca- uh, Cavaners guys, all the SPG guys. They yeah. they were struggling getting fights in Ireland, uh, as you can imagine. With, with uh, at the time, Connor was exploding and becoming a, a big thing, and. He was able to bring his guys over again, these amateur guys, and then it turned to the pro guys. So just just the way they set the show up and everything about it, and, and it's still, you know, there's some great shows out there now, but I still don't think anyone's done it like like uh, like Paul Reed did. Yeah, yeah. especially at the time as well. I think there wasn't many shows going around at the time. Now you've got so many different promotions putting shows on, but at the time I went to, I think I was a Shinobi War for. Um, yes, yeah, and I think I, I think I actually spoke to you two in in the cage, funny enough, um, on the night because I was there as I was doing the project for uni, um, and on MMA, so we went to that, and um, but now the setup of it was like, especially for the time, was was phenomenal. It was you wouldn't have thought it was like an amateur show. It it looked absolutely top draw. Yeah, um, so it was, it was brilliant. So we also did the Eagle Fighting Championship, which, which was fun in a different way, wasn't it? Like, you know, yeah. for a big show, like working on a show like as big as as Eagle for sort of five, six hours and, um, you know, working with the team and everything like that. I think that was also a good one that, you know, that stands out for me as, as, as pretty memorable. Some amazing fights doing like five, five minute round title fights from like the top, you know, some of the some of the top fighters. Um, again, for, for for ones we've done together, you know, it's up there with like the stuff that I've done with with M one and MMA series. Yeah, and we 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 back each other always. Obviously, we have our own separate things, and uh, Ian works a lot with uh, Ian Freeman out in Russia. Uh, and then I think there was a time when Ian couldn't travel for the for FEN again, another massive brand in Poland, and uh, managed to put them on to me. And I went out to Poland, commentated on my own, uh, did a good job. Of it. But I was off the back of obviously. Um, or just working together and we're always trying to find each other work wherever we can. If we can get it together, fantastic. But, you know, if one of us can't make a show, the other one's put in there straight away and, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll try and back each other with that. And, you know, we, unfortunately, you know, not all the time we get to work together these days. Uh, it's it's we have, been we have pretty tough and it really works because, because I've got this deal now with MMA series, which is like M1's new brand is the MMA series, the MMA-TV and, 
um, and, and working through Clash TV in America um, with them as well. I'm pretty much every weekend or every other weekend I'm working live. Like I've got, we've got the 50th event tomorrow. I'm live on um, on Clash TV, and that's 50 events since lockdown started. So you know, you can imagine that that's they've been pretty active. Yeah. And so I've been I've been doing non-stop events. I was supposed to be in um in Korea in January 2020. I had um, an M1 event in Korea. And obviously that that wasn't going to happen. So before there was even a lockdown over here or anything, I my work had pretty much stopped. I was then meant to be in China in the in the February. Obviously, there's no way anyone was going to China. And then by March, the country's in lockdown. So I'd sort of 2020 early on, like in the January, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? You know, like my main sort of uh, a bit of work on on a weekend extras, like, sort of like my income and stuff is coming from uh, from M1. So. I, I quickly set up a studio at home um, so that I could do things remotely because I knew the shows were carrying on and the shows were carrying on in Belarus. And they got in touch with me and asked me um, if I'd be interested in doing the, um, all these shows, which was, um, like I said, the new brand with MMA series. So it timed really nicely, actually. So, you know, like it, it, it was it, it was good. And then um, I don't know if you've seen that me and Jamie have been... Uh, we just started, we just done the um, MMA on Cage TV, TV show, which is, we've linked in now with the Clash TV job. Um, and we've done a deal, so Adam Sharefight managed to get as like a TV channel. And so that was, again, was it January we filmed that one, Jamie? Wasn't it January 20? And yeah, then, January, January 20, yeah. Basically, yeah. we just started and it, it's like that. With that, um, that MMA on Cage TV show, it's like we've started like three times now because yeah. it's just just things that have gone wrong and, and and the lockdown hit just as we got a TV deal. So that was frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I'm, uh, waterload, I'm waterloading, guys, so I'm going to have to go for a quick pee. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever done it before. Ian knows all about it. You pee every 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, I'll be back in two minutes, guys. No, no problem. No worries. You've done well. <laughs> um, um, yeah, honestly, like, Going back to like getting pissed while commentating, I feel like we need to get Brad Wharton in here. We, <laughs> we, we spoke to him and he mentioned like his first time around he got pissed and can't really remember any any of it. Um, so yeah, that's just when but you if you've got any that, questions about Jamie while he's not here, <laughs> do you have any Quinn? Have no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we'll let them from the horse's mouth. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, while we'll, we'll, we'll wait for Jamie to come back then, um, so obviously yourself, Ian, we mentioned you've got a ton of experience in the fight game in general. You know, you've mentioned you've got the uh, MMA on cage there. You've been a cut man, you, you commentate, you've been a judge, you've been a coach, and obviously a fighter as well. Was that always your goal to just go into as many different aspects of MMA as possible? Or was it just... No, I mean, I, I set up um, MMA consultancy in 2004, 2005, so... The, the the idea with MMA Consultancy was my financial advisor's idea, um, and we were sort of in a position where um, on the early shows we were supplying the judges, referees, um, anything with the ring girls, commentary team, and things like that. So I was working alongside guys like Neil Hall um, uh, and and stuff because we had the like um, a team that we were training together from very early on. Um, what we ended up calling the Northern Cartel. So it was Neil Hall's gym, which was one of the first I trained at. Um, in fact, it was the first place I trained after I left uh, Les Allens. Um, I went to Fighting Chance because it's only close um, close to me where I used to be. Um, so 
setting up MMA consultancy, what happened was then people would be getting in touch for shows and they'd be asking, have you got anyone who could work as a referee, as a judge, as a, as a commentator and stuff? I did my first commentary job actually for um, Grant Waterman, who was um, a referee on Cage Rage and stuff. He did a show down, um, down south and I, I did the commentary there in 2004 with Howell Teague who's now doing like flow grappling. He focuses more on the, on the grappling of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You see him on the high level um, uh, grappling events. So uh, uh, to answer your question, it, my goal wasn't particularly to work in all those things, but I wanted to keep MMA consultancy going. And if I didn't have someone to, to fill the role of say a judge or whatever, and I was free, I would do it. So that's why I ended up right, doing okay. stuff. And then, um, uh, Mark Goddard then did the referee and judges course. And because I I was already supplying referees and judges, I made sure that I, I put on a course up here in Huddersfield, uh, one of the first courses that he'd done. I'd, I'd attended the first one that he did down in Birmingham. Um, and then I got him up here in Huddersfield. So I made sure that all the judges and referees and officials I used had all done Mark's course early on and, and kept up with the knowledge and ability and stuff. So, and then, uh, like I said, worked alongside Neil Hall. Neil then went on doing like the MMA officials, and I was focusing more on the um, the commentary and the media sort of side of stuff. But um, it, it it was more just a case of you know I've got MMA consultancy, which I, I get like as a company, but it really it was just me kind of just <laughs> ringing my mates and <laughs> filling it filling in jobs it wasn't I didn't intend it on being like a, a huge business or anything early on although like I've you know I, I've done well with it um you know with with it with m1 and um and, and, and all the other stuff that me and Jamie or me and Ian Freeman have done together um it, the actual the actual goal with it was just just a hobby really yeah it's still still a loads of experience in it so um yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Jamie. Um, he, 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 Ian gave us some insights. He said that you have a superstition at every fight camp. You don't wash your feet, um, <laughs> and then after fight camp, you you clean them for some reason. Well, that's why is that? That's correct. Yeah, it's just so I can stick it in people's faces. His opponent will find out the reason on Saturday on Sunday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The knockout, won't, the knockout won't be from the kick, it'll be from the smack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I learned exactly. something new. Something Ian didn't actually say it, Ian, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let's go to you, Jamie. Um, obviously, as as you mentioned earlier, your last fight was on Bellator. And obviously, you didn't, didn't get the win, but it must have been like a great experience for you. Um, do you think being on the show in front of a huge crowd gives you an advantage in future fights you know you're not going to deal with as much nerves and that um yeah well i don't know i don't know if it will because um that that fight that that fight we took because we got offered it mm. uh six weeks out and we knew the dangers with it but we also knew the, the reward of it um and we, we decided to i mean it didn't take long to say yesterday ian really um uh, it was pretty much a uh, ian we got this opportunity for for a Bellator. Yep, sound. Let's have it. <laughs> and, and and I and I was just ready for a fight. And um, I didn't go in the fight thinking I'd lose. I thought I'd go in and and, and beat him. I, I really did. Uh, he was just better than I thought he'd be. We, we uh, had a game plan, and you know, uh, you know, obviously Jamie was in there, so he, he, you know, he, he could tell you from where he was. But very early on, like like I said, Jamie's boxing's underrated, and it was a, a case of trying to get in against him and. 
Lee Hammond is is a very rangy fighter and like John joked to me afterwards, he was saying like he's the opposite of me. Like he, John's had this ongoing joke with me for like for twenty years. I've known him that that I can't actually box and that I just told everyone I could box a triangle and and then and so like he's saying Lee Hammond's the opposite. He says like Lee Hammond is a really good grappler and everyone knows he's a good grappler. He says but he's striking. He's actually like a very very good striker. And like we'd watched his um, his his first pro fight, so I had an idea of. You know, I could tell he was sharp. I could tell he had long-range kicks and stuff. But <clears throat> in that fight, Jamie got caught with um, the long, straight shots early on, and they were good, decent shots. And it like sort of put Jamie out changed, of game. changed my plan. Yeah. It changed your game plan. So we, you know, you, Jamie, you had to change on the fly, didn't you? And and the, the game plan wasn't to get in and wrestle and get that single leg, but you did it with your head pretty shook because you know, like. From Kay's side, from where I was, you could see how solidly them two shots that Lee Hammond hit him with early on were sharp shots. They were very yeah, good. They, they were indeed. And like, like you say, um, so the game plan going into that fight, it's obviously talk right now. Um, I, I, I respect uh, Lee as a fighter anyway, and I know his ground game is very, very good. It's the first time I've gone into a fight where I've gone, this guy's ground game is probably as good as mine, and that not, or if, if not better, I just don't know. I knew he was good. I knew I knew he was excellent on the ground. So I thought, right, and we worked quite a lot with the striking and, and closing the distance and whatnot. Didn't realise how big he would be, uh, even though we knew his height. It was just the way he used his range. You know, you can get taller guys that can't use the range very well. He could. Um, yeah. And that sort of put us off. But then but then I went back to my closing the distance and, and, and back to what I've sort of, what I've shown in probably other fights. Uh, I think there's a few more things I could have shown in that fight. Um, just didn't get a chance to, to, to really get started. Or uh, he, he just he nullified it pretty well, pretty quickly. Um, I'd have liked to have gone the, the other The other thing that we had as a game plan was um, for if Jamie was caught, because we did think there was there's going to be a high chance that Jamie's going to get underneath and be underneath half guard, but pressure against the fence. And the plan was to get into the legs and attack in for the heel hooks and things like that. And um, you could see that he, he was very prepared for that. He had his hips really far back. And again, that was something else that John mentioned. Like, obviously, you'd seen Jamie's fights and uh, and the leg attacks and stuff. And Lee Hammond, I think, said to you, didn't he, afterwards, that, you know, like, he was prepared. That was something that they were really prepared for. So the things that we were working on, you know, they they, they, they had a good fight camp. They've got a good, a young up-and-coming star. And they, they had a, the game plan was perfect as well from their side. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I, I, like, I, like I said earlier, I mean, the experience was amazing. Uh, you know, flying on Bellator, uh, you know, one of the biggest shows in the world was great. It was, you know, flying out to uh, another country, albeit only not, not, not far away, Ireland, but um, against a real hostile crowd. Um, it it was brilliant. And it, honestly, like, you know, tell you, I, I wasn't, I, I, wasn't, I was nervous because obviously you will get nervous for any fight. And anyone that tells you nervous for a fight, for a shit. Uh, or, or probably a journeyman, uh, yeah. but you, you do you do get like sort of nervous because one you're thinking if I don't show my, my abilities, the people are going oh, this disappoint this person. I've kind of got over that now. That mm. disappointing other people, you know, I'm about I want I want to make myself and my team proud and, and my family, and that's about it. I'm not really asked yeah. about this disappointing, you know, some um, some people who fucking talk shit about me or whatever. I'm not I'm not or or, or think I'm. This, that, the other. Not bothered about that. It's, it's become more about thinking. You know, I want to create my legacy, do my own thing. Um, so having been on Bellator was 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 great because it gave me that opportunity to go. Do you know what? Let's go into a fight and see what we can do. And it didn't, didn't pull off on this one, but it has given me that uh, that edge. You know, as soon as I got back, I was looking for fights straight away. 
came out unscathed, yeah. really. Um, so it was kind of like, right, let's get back in as soon as possible. And that's why we took um, the, the fight that I've got on Sunday. But it, that that was, uh, again, we, we only want good opponents. We're not taking anyone that that's... I'm not fighting any, any cans or bums moving forward at all because it's just like, what's the point? What What is it going to prove? You know, I'd rather I'd rather go and get my ass kicked off someone good than go in and, and beat the shit out of 20 bums. You know, and that's what we're seeing at the minute. We're seeing too many people. I think it's, it's for your first for your first pro fight, if you get that cut and things like that, or you're trying a new way, I can understand. And also when we've we have <clears throat> had fights for you like change last minute and things, it's like that some sometimes it's unavoidable, but I just don't think <clears throat> for me, you know, like uh, when I was fighting, there was no opportunity to fight. Uh, there were there were no journeymen around. Pretty much everybody was were, was hungry, decent fighters, and most like all, nearly every fight on the card was a 50-50 fight. So, you know, um, and I still think that you know, be, be sensible with who you're choosing. You know, but you've got to you've got to take risks. Otherwise, what's the point? And you know, we, we were also in that position, Jamie alluded to earlier, where we missed like eighteen months to two years of. of of, of Jamie's early pro career when he's, you know, quite, kind of late um, starting in a pro career. So yeah. we haven't got time to mess about. It's no point having any any, any of these, um, you know, it's not that we, well, he don't want a 10 and one record just for the sake of a 10 and one record. I want to get some good fights in there before, um, before he retires. Yeah, we, we, we had this, Jamie had this chat a couple of years ago when it started for a term pro. We'd said, I think I, I mean, my words was along the lines of, if I end the, end my career at ten and zero, I'll probably not fought anyone, and that's just being truthful. I think you know, I know my abilities, I know the guys I'll beat, I know that I know the levels I'll get to. Uh, I'll get back to Bellator. That 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 that's that's my my, my plan. Um, but I'm never going to be in the UFC. I'm not, you know, I, I, that that we know um, very. You know, that, that that's a massive doubt. But I'm in Bellator. I, I've fought in Bellator, and I can get back there. That that that's an absolute, you know, um, goal for us now. Um, that's not overlooking anyone that we're going to fight in the future. You know, I've got a, a couple of fights lined up now um, because I just want to fight. I just want to get out there and, and show my skill set and, and show, you know, that I can I, I can fight and uh, and actually I enjoy it as well. I do enjoy the the, the some of the protocols of it. Um, you know, the the I don't enjoy the cutting weight, but I enjoy the the getting myself in shape or being in fight shape all the time and being ready and I just enjoy that and you know uh, likes getting yeah. photos done when he's cool I do I do yeah <laughs> I, I, I do like having photos done yeah that, that's my favourite finding uh, an excuse to take your shirt off and that yeah, yeah. Try, try, try and find a photo of Jamie recently that's not from Bellator while he had abs well well you, 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 I've, I've just done a photo shoot from a, uh, a sponsor today Reprimo uh, big shout out Reprimo, Reprimo. I thought I'd line um, that one up for you there yeah. Jamie <laughs> <laughs> you, you've done this before so yeah, we obviously I did a photo shoot today for a primo, so we'll be seeing that pretty much everywhere for the next probably six weeks as well. What Jim is telling you is 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 a fighter and a model. That's 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 official. So yeah, sorry, Bellator fighter. Yeah, is that why is that why you like the grappling so much? So you know, protect the face. Hey, well, that's it. Yeah, these these looks count. Now, do you know what? Actually, odd odd enough, I don't mind being punched in the face, and and that's one thing that I I worked out with with Fox UV, and you get punched in the face a lot, um, and and he he makes you learn how to move your head a bit a lot better. You'll see. I mean, I'm not I'm not joking about that. It does. 
you know, him and Andy Butler are the two of the best strikers for MMA that you'll, you'll come across. Andy, obviously, had a, had a glittering pro career in boxing anyway. But you work with these guys and you, you kind of see the, the level difference and, and what you need to work on. You know, I didn't, I had zero head movement. One of our other fighters, Sam Kelly, had zero head movement at all. Uh, in fact, he had minus head movement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to say, I'd, I'd say it's like, it's like it was a magnet, like his head would get pulled to the glove. Like, how the hell did he move into the shot? Do you know what I mean? But, but now, you know, you look at, uh, he's been working with, uh, he's been working with me from day one, but working with Ian on the, on the striking side for the past three years now. And uh, the difference in in his ability is just like just striking. I mean, he's a, he's a very heavy-handed fighter for for a bantamweight anyway. Like you know, he's heavy-handed, but when he's heavy-handed and elusive, like once he could start to move his head and it set up more shots, you realise how dangerous he's going to be as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that, that that's that's all testament to to sort of the work these guys put in with us and and what we what we've sort of picked up. And like, obviously, I I teach striking as well, uh, and I, I, I teach a lot of stuff that I learn off, off Ian and Andy. So, and, and I think that's how it should be. If you pick up the stuff that you, you're working with, I don't, I don't watch YouTube like some coaches do and just go, well, I can do that. I can show this. I can pad like this. It's like, that's a lot of shit. Can you do it yourself? No, don't show it then. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty much yeah. my, my philosopher. Yeah. No, so what uh, like, do, do you believe that like, her movements now creates them odd angles to come from as well? No way. Like you get some fighters that can throw at odd angles. Do you think head movements? Yeah, I think as much as anything. Um, you, I mean, the, the the key thing with striking is I taught from very early on, and I mean, like I talk about John. I, I went over taught a striking seminar over at John's gym when he had the old the, the old gym over there. And at the time, I went up Scotland and I went and taught the, a very similar seminar to quite a lot of different teams. And I was um, teaching really about um, switching angles and, and and moving angles and keeping your body weight forward and um, and and actually working so that your hips are facing the person that you're fighting against. You know, if I if me and Jamie are uh, face on with each other and our hips are facing each other, we're in a position where it's 50-50, we can both strike at each other. The fastest, strongest is probably going to win. If I take a side step to the side with my hips still facing him, his hip, hips are facing forward still, mine are facing him. I can now strike him, he can't strike me. Mm. So I did a lot of work on, on this sort of stuff. And it's something that I focus a lot of my striking style around, whether, and, and not just for striking, to be honest, like the, whether I'm uh, doing boxing, striking for MMA or setting up takedowns for wrestling. I do very similar stuff where I'll, um, I'll switch an angle. So my hips are facing the person, their hips are facing away from me. And then that gives you that split second where it stops the person being able to sprawl as fast because they're not in, um, in the right position. It stops the person being able to block. And so um, my, the, the way that I have built up the, the, the striking for MMA or the, the footwork and stuff for MMA is all about the, the switching of the angles and stuff and keeping yourself so you're in a position where your body weight is ready to be distributed back at them, but theirs isn't ready to go where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that makes yeah. sense. It's a lot It's a lot easier to demonstrate than it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I mean, I, I can vouch for like I say, the way Ian's taught me with it is, but my head moved, like I say, well, it wasn't too bad. It, I could move. Um, and I, I, I'd move out the way so I'd back up from shots a lot. So I'd be like, out, I'd try and get out of range where, you know, the, the way they, they teach it and the way they show it is, is actually get in range. So, you know, go past the shot rather than coming away from the shot. So, yeah. And, and they'll show like if you get double jabs, someone puts a double jab on you, you can go backwards, but the second jab's going to catch you flush. 
where when they put the first jab in, if you go past it or to the side of it and, and, and create that angle. It's pointless being elusive without without um, being able to counter back. And uh, my my all my, my thing that I say to the guys all the time, and Jamie will tell you, is I'm, I constantly tell the tell the guys like when you when you make someone miss, you've earned the right to land your counter. Don't earn the right to land the counter and don't take the opportunity. You know. That, yeah. And so the, the majority of like what I'm teaching, whether that's um, avoiding their strike and landing your own strike back, or whether it's avoiding their strike so you can then close distance for a double leg, single leg, back take, whatever, you know, um, whatever it is, if you earn the right to, to do it, you do it. There's no, uh, there's nothing that, um, that I find more frustrating watching in, um, in actual fights. It's all right in the gym, you know, moving around and showing how elusive you are and, uh, you know, dance around. You know, we can all do that in the gym and stuff. But in a fight, it's doing nothing. Like, if you make someone miss, you should be punishing them straight yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it looks good, but obviously you're not you're not doing much with it. I guess are you? <laughs> no. Um. So the next one then's for, for both of you. So we're, we're a fan of nicknames on here. Um. So let let's talk about your nicknames. You are M16 and and Haymaker. So uh, how did they originate? So um, mine was basically because. Um, we had the, the the Northern Cartel, which was a group of uh, of gyms. Where the reason we formed the Northern Cartel between the Coliseum, uh, Spenner's Gym, which became Fulling Kazan, um, our gym, and Neil Hall's Fighting Chance, was because there was so little people training. We we're all quite close to each other, and we we're all training together all the time anyway. So we didn't want to get matched up for fights. So at the time, it was easier for us to be one team and then we get matched against the Southerners or all the fighters coming over from abroad when we're fighting on Ultimate Combat and stuff like that. So that was the reason for um, for everyone getting together. Everyone started getting kind of like uh, nicknames because Stapes had joined the team then. Um, he was uh, in the Marines still and he was manning the 50 Cal gun. So he got the nickname 50 Cal. Uh, mine and Dave's came more from the, the difference because we're identical twins, but we fight very differently. And Dave had big bombs, like he just throw like one-shot knockouts, um, which you see in his, his MMA fight. So he got B-52, which is a bomber. Whereas my striking style is much more high volume, you know, like making you feel like you're surrounded, like constantly moving angles and throwing yeah. shots. Where So it was Aaron Chatfield that came up with the M-16 and the B-52. And then obviously... Um, Matt Thorpe again he got 12 gauge just because like he could hit you from so far away and you know like like with, with, you see the reach of Matt Matt Thorpe like even when like say I like I was a decent level boxer he was always hard work just because he was like so long and and uh, and, and athletic and, and, and good you know yeah suitable names and, like there's definitely a thing like that with names, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you get so much like, oh, like, it just sounds good. You know, so, yeah, someone, yeah. someone called me at once and it sounds good. But, yeah, yeah like, like, one's that, that's, that's what mine is. So, so, so my, mine was a bit different. So, um, my, my brother always grew up, uh, my older brother, um, he used to do like a lot of karate and stuff like that. Um, and he got, he was, he was pretty good to be fair. And he kind of uh, got the nickname off all his mates in school as the Haymaker. Now, they, when I grew up, I was quite an aggressive kid. I mean, Ian knows me pretty well. Uh, and I have a fiery temper, probably similar to Ian's. <laughs> not quite as bad, but um, nah, <laughs> not there, though. 
we're, we're both a nightmare in the car together if he kicks off anyway, put it that way. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, it was actually more of a, to start with, when I was a kid, I was, I was just quite aggressive. He just started calling him a playmaker. That was pretty much it. Sort of come from there and he just sort of stepped up. And then it became quite quite ironic because when I started MMA, I was just grappling people. So it was quite a, it, it kind of stuck because it was funny. It was like, because I wasn't really throwing any punches at people. It was more the grappling and it was like, and I've, we just sort of stuck with it and, and, and now I can strike. So, um, I'll I'll learn I'll, I might earn the name again uh, this Sunday. Yeah, start to take pressure. More suitable again, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so we you mentioned earlier you uh, you fought on Cage Warriors at at some point in your career. Um, how impressed have you been with the, the growth of Cage Warriors over the last few years, especially with how big it is now and all the fighters they're getting over into the like the UFC and Bellator and things like that. Um. Yeah. Well. I, I mean, Cage Warriors was always... Ultimate Combat was the first one that everybody wanted to try and get on. That was like, like sort of 2003. Then Dougie Truman came along and set up Cage Warriors. Um, Cage Warriors, I, I think, at the time... And one of the big things was Dougie started paying everyone 250 quid. Now, I know it doesn't sound a lot, but at the time, that was brilliant, you know, because it was costing us loads of money to, to fight, you know, like we had to travel around and... And everything so you know Dougie changed things then it was like a, a minimum anyone fighting cage Warriors got at least 250 quid and uh and that was like a big thing i made my debut on cage Warriors in july of 2003 um i, I, I fought uh chris freeborn who was a decent fighter i beat brad pickett so it was, you know it, it was good and i got a good win against him uh by submission early on um then i worked um Worked through. I I I would I train with Paul McVeigh and the guys up there, and unfortunately we got matched together. And I wish that hadn't happened, to be honest. But we we didn't end up fighting anyway. I ended up uh, fighting um, Emmanuel Fernandez uh, for the title. Um, Emmanuel Fernandez at, at the time was was brilliant. Um, and again, it, that just shows you again. Two thousand and four, Dougie Truman was bringing guys over from France, where at the time MMA was illegal. You know, there was some good guys there. Um, he was bringing some some uh, foreign fighters over. Um, I worked through still then till we did that Cage Warriors World Tournament that uh, that fought in. Um, I got a knockout in the first round, and then I got caught by Yako Latamaki, who was a, a really good European fighter. Um, I got caught by him by, with a rear naked choke. So I got a knockout of the knee, and then about an hour later, I, I fought him and got caught. Um, and that was uh, won by the Japanese guy Kanamata, um, who, who came over. Um, and again, like you know, you look at that and you think, wow, that was that was brilliant. Um, and I was involved in a lot of the early cage warrior shows. There's not many that I didn't have some sort of involvement in working. Um, and then um and then Andy Lillis took over, Andy Lillis, um, Dean Griffiths. Uh, uh, I mean, I still talk to Andy once or twice a week. He, he rings me, you know, like obviously he, he's he got locked up, so it's not he's not involved in the MMA anymore, but he still like keeps in touch and, and asking on how things are going on. And we got very close. He managed me through my career and, you know, helped get me to M1. And he's the one that was, he got um, all the guys onto the TUF and all the early stuff like that. And that was all down to Andy Lillis, you know, like, like uh, you know, the impact that, that it, himself and working with Ian Dean that they had together. I think like that, I think sometimes that goes a little bit unnoticed, you know, like, Guys like Ross Pearson, um, all those. The only reason that they, the, the the cage where he sort of broke apart then was because of. Um, I don't want to go into too, too much of a story, but though it, it was all down to um, you know Tony McDonough came on, Andy Lewis had got locked up, 
Um, and this was a wow, Cage Warriors kind of looked like it was going to fall apart. And Tony McDonough um, uh, was, you know, I don't want to talk about the dead, but, you know, he, was, he, he wasn't um, very honest with the fighters and stuff. And there was problems with, his, with, with M1. And if Andy hadn't got locked up and, and all that hadn't have happened, things would have been different, you know. But he'd already got at least a platform for people going forward. And then I remember I had a meeting um, uh, with the guys who bought, actually bought out um, uh, Cage Warriors. They came over and I had a meeting with them at a hotel over in um, in Manchester. Um, and they were talking about uh, Cage Warriors and just asking me about the history and things like that. And um, and, and also discussing Graham Boylan and, and things like that. So um, uh, obviously like they were looking at buying it for him to then run. And that was bought off, um, off Tony McDonough, which is... Again, I don't know if you all heard the big bag of money story, but uh, that, that was like a kind of a famous hashtag big bag of money on the old forums. And that was all down to this this deal that went down where basically um, Tony sold Cage Warriors to, to the Jordanians. And then he did a deal with the money for Cage Warriors and, um, and Andy Lillis and the people who, who, who should have got their share didn't get the money. So I ended up trying to get that money back in this dodgy deal and ended up on a blackmail charge for nine months and in crown court and stuff. Um, and, and I luckily got off and, uh, and everything, but there was a, that was where the big bag of money story came about because Tony did an interview with me at um, a cage contender show when um, Danny Mitchell fought um, Gunnar Nelson. And he did a, uh, a, an interview saying, well, I've got a big bag of money and I don't care anymore. So that yeah. was kind of like, that's where that story came from. And look, luckily, like I said, I, I, I managed to prove I was not guilty of the of the charge that I was charged with. No one ever got any money back out of that because the kind of the guy who stolen the money kind of used it as a, as a block to get the money collected. So I couldn't collect the money back off him, but I did get found not guilty of actually trying to, you know, of, of, of blackmail. So anyway, like moving on, then Graham Boylan took over, and I think Graham Boylan's done some great stuff. I also think, you know, again, you can't take too much away from the fact that Conor McGregor had a huge effect on what's gone on. You know, I know that a lot of Cage Warriors fighters have gone on, and I think, you know, we've got to look at Ian Dean is, a, is probably the best matchmaker in the world. He, he is like rain man for fighters, you know, like this guy spots the, the right fighters to go against each other and that's why Cage Warriors has done so well and had so many fighters that have gone on to UFC I believe because he's so good at picking the right fighters and build, and how to build the fighters and things like that so I think like you know if you look at it I think Andy Lillis had a huge effect with the early uh, getting the fighters into TUF and stuff like that obviously when he went to jail it sort of started to fall apart luckily the Jordanians came in Bought it out, Graham Boylan took over, Ian Dean carried on the matchmaking and um, and things went from strength to strength where, you know, it could have really fallen apart. And I think um, it, 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 it's good that, I, I, for me, especially like I said, I was involved in a lot of the early Cage Warriors shows and for me, it's like holds a special place in my heart. It's nice, the fact that I've had five fights on what I still believe is the, you know, one of the best shows in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I've got to say is you're, like retention for information is is brilliant. Like, and I forget things like ten seconds after. Like, <laughs> me, 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 partner said to me, "Did they oh, go grab me water for me?" I come back in. She's like, "Did you get it? Get what?" 
retention's terrible. Um, you know what? I went for a brain scan about two, three years ago because I was feeling like I couldn't remember things, like I had blanks in my memory. And I went and had the brain scan and said there was, there was nothing wrong with um, my brain. It had just been from basically from like alcohol and, uh, and, and abuse. And yeah. I, I do find that I've got like a blank patches for about a four-year period. But I can remember everything from before and everything afterwards. So <laughs> I've been sober four years now and I, like I've got a very clear head. But yeah. there is a very blank patch in the middle, which I remember some really fun times. But other than that, it's pretty hazy. <laughs> See, you, you, you've got a reason there. I haven't, I haven't got a reason. I'm just, I'm just terrible. You know what I mean? yeah. um, so, Jamie, um, you've obviously you mentioned there you got your fight on, on BMF uh, 2 in a few days' time. Um, for those that might not be aware, what can we expect from BMF? You know, it's only its second show. How do you see that going in the future? What's the setup like with them? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great show. Uh, I know Steve Mayer really well. So if you think about uh, Almighty, um, you know, the Almighty show, that was Steve originally. Um, so what, what what Steve set up there uh, with Ray, uh, that was a joint venture for many years, up until last, I don't know, last 18 months or so, they, they, they sort of split, split parts. But that was originally Steve's show as well. So um, it's not like it's his first, you know, trip to the rodeo kind of thing. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to, to get a crowd in. He knows how to get the fights on. Uh, what he has done is he's brought Connor Holiday in with him. Um, so uh, Connor's uh, doing a really good job of uh, one the, the the actual production side of it. So having to do with the uh, the filming, the fighter filming, the the interviews. I mean, the the, the stuff he's putting together is sort of UFC level. If you watch it, it's very very good. And you know, he put a, a snippet together of uh, me versus Gabani. Uh, that, that was done sort of last minute the other week and the, the, the production was unbelievable uh, yeah. and the turnaround time was so quick as well so you know he they're, they're seeing that you need to kind of have that level um, at, at the amateur level um, I think the, uh, there's a lot of fights on the show I think too many um, but that's, that, that is what seems to be a thing at the minute with regional shows where you've got you know 25, 30 fights um, I mean a lot do drop out as you know but if they don't drop out then you've got 30 fights that's kind of the, the, the yeah. issue you've got you're dealing with 60 fighters so uh, I know he's got a kid show before, uh, at the start so that's the first like six to eight fights are all kids and then it's a, the, the the main show um, but it's going to be a long one uh, but it's going to be a good and there's some fantastic fights on there the way he's put it together uh, he's been very fair with a matching uh, he's got a tournament on there so they're trying to bring back the tournament style uh, yeah. for amateurs which I, think, which I really like it's a good idea Um a lot of complications in that, as we know, especially if someone gets injured on the night, which happens nine times out of ten on these, unfortunately. Uh, especially yeah. at the pro, especially at the pro level, as we know, we've seen on Cage Warriors, they used to be a brilliant tournament. However, um, it was quite a few times where they didn't make the finalists didn't make it to the final because of it. I think uh, Ian had one years ago with the X Fighter as well, same thing where there was I think eight fighters started out, and I think only like one of the original ones got through to the final. They had to bring someone else. So I can't remember how it works, but it, it tends to happen quite a lot with, with yeah. the the tournament style um, but they're going for it and you know they put a, a great production together um, uh, they're paying me well so I'm happy to go on there <laughs> and, uh, and have a fight um, no nah, but I, it also uh, they, they're just they're very easy to deal with to be honest with you uh, as, as a me and Ian you know um, we're, we're not bullshitters they will come to us and ask us if we want to do something this is any any show um, we'll just say yeah, mo- yeah. most of the time um, and that, that's kind of the philosophy we've got as a fighting gym you know, we've kind of got a. I think Andy Butman says it says it 
more than any of us, which is real men fight. And that's kind of how we look at it in our gym. It's just, you know what, we're here, to, we're here we call ourselves fighters, so fight. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty simple, but we've got, kind of got this relationship now with, with a few good regional shows. Uh, we've got a really good relationship with UKFC. They've got one of our other guys, Sam Kelly, on uh, in a few weeks as well. Yeah. So I think it's just about building that relationship with companies that you work with. But BMF seems to be doing, uh, you know, really good things. And and the, the level of competition that's on there, I think we're going to see on Sunday is really good. And, you know, to have... have uh, me and Cabani on it, I think massively bolsters the card as well. Uh, I think if we're being honest, I think we've had, uh, <clears throat> I was looking at the Insta the other week and I think the video that they put out for me and him uh, hit 5,000 views. And I think the nearest that's about 100, uh, about 500, sorry, something like that. So we've, we've done all right with it. There's clearly some eyes on us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look look forward to seeing how it, how it turns out. You know, as I say, there's a lot of, good fights on there. Like another one that stands out is uh, Brian McAnally and uh, Jack Bell. That'll be, a crazy fight. Yeah, um, I think it's a belter. Yeah, I think McAnally's got a lot of potential. Uh, still early in his career, he's doing good. And uh, he was unlucky on there last time. I know he ended up uh, in the final against uh, a replacement. I exactly what we were saying before. Actually, that pretty yeah. much solidifies what I was saying. The replacement <laughs> in the final wasn't so. It happens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so this one's for both of then. So I want to talk about MA on Caged. Um, but first of all, what was the reason for setting up your own show? And secondly, how insightful is it? Like also, although you're in the same sport as, as you're guessing that, um, how insightful is it to hear other fighters' stories and experiences? Um, so initially what happened was um, some friends of mine in, um, in Huddersfield have got... Um, about eight or nine magazines. Um, one of them being M Mass Arts Illustrated, which is one of the original magazines I used to buy as a kid. Mm. Like Bob Sykes, it, um, it was like like a legend, and he's from Huddersfield. He sort of started the freestyle karate movement, and um, they also bought MMA Uncaged. So MMA Uncaged has sort of gone to nothing. So they asked, they bought the magazines as a package. So they, they like the main magazines they have down there, like the construction magazine and stuff. So they asked me to come on board as the editor of the MMA Uncaged. I'd already done a couple of um, like pilot shows and stuff. I'd done uh, with Aaron Chatfield and little bits of me and Jamie discussed like doing a you know a panel show. So when I um, when um, Gavin Chris asked me to, to come on board with the MMA Uncaged, it made sense to um, to work at Adam Sharefight had. Uh, Adam Robson, but we all, that's, that's his real name's Adam Safe, in it. So uh, Adam had um, had suggested us using the studio up at, at uh, Preston, which is perfect. You know, it's um, he, he's got students up there. He's got a great team. Like it, it just works seamlessly. It's really good. Um, so everything like so fell fell into place really from from the work on the magazine and stuff. We're actually looking. at, We're trying to. So I put together a digital magazine with MMA and Cage. So MMA and Cage TV will be on Clash TV, and then MMA and Cage digital magazine will be available uh, for free to sort of go along um, with it. So yeah. we're, we're, we're in the process of putting together the first digital magazine. So um, I think I came on as editor of um, MMA and Cage magazine. What would you say, Jamie? Might about five. Yeah. Years ago. it was around the same sort of time we started. Like the real. It was pretty. Magazine. It was. Pretty much, too, I saw you when it was 2015 when you were brought on uh, as editor. Because if you remember when you was doing the interviews for fighter interviews, one of them, one, you interviewed me after a fight, uh, yeah. after a knocked out uh, Vince Irving. Yeah. And you, he had the, 
the mic with the uncage on it, which they told you to, they did ask you to use. That's right. So that, yeah. yeah. So that was when it was, it was 2015, sorry, 2000, yeah, end of 2015 that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that's when he, you started to, to do the magazine side. But me and Ian always, always had this idea of working for the TV side. We, didn't we? We, we, we'd put it all together. Like I said, lockdown really hit us like, it was good for me with regards to starting the relationship with Clash TV and getting on and um, and doing the commentary for Clash TV. But for us doing the show, it just because the universities was one of the first things that was like totally locked down. One, you've got like like there was no access and uh, and everything. So with us using the university as the film studio, it was just impossible. Like Adam tried everything he possibly could to do, you know, could we get in with skeleton staff or whatever? It was just impossible. And then Adam even came down and we did the show in the gym, didn't we? Yeah, um, we had Molly McCann on. Yeah, yeah. Molly McCann, um, Gaff Hughes and, um, and Danny, Danny, Danny Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, so we did the um, we did the show in the gym with them three. Um, and, and again, we've tried to keep things going while, um, while the lockdown was on, but momentum-wise, it was just very difficult for us to to do everything that we planned now, hopefully over the next few months, you'll see um, uh, the way that Clash TV is working now, we've got, got kind of like um, uh, a creators portal so we can upload our stuff on there. There's other nice. people on there as well, as well as the MMA series and, and us. I think they've, um, Battle Arena on there as well. Battle Arena on there. Uh, they've also got some other sports on there. So the, the, since I started, when it was just like the MMA series, it's really grown and Clash TV app, you know, it's, it's free to download and it's got some really good stuff on it. Um, um, so me and Jamie will be doing the MMA on Cage TV show. Um, and we're not going to be... We're still in a position where we can't really stick to a strict schedule of like, right, we're going to do it every single month. But this yeah. works well with the portal and being able to just upload as we go. And then we can start pushing advertising out and then hopefully to get it to a point where we can get a monthly show by, you know, by weekly and, and, and work like that. So um, the digital magazine will be coming and that'll be alongside the, um, the TV show. And, and yeah. on the Uncaged side as well, we, we still, uh, obviously with the MMA show as well, we're still looking in the future to be definitely pushing that again. Uh, it may come under a different sort of branding, but, you know, we, we do have some ideas. We have we have some things, you know, I I, I, I do this as a full-time job now. Uh, so I fight and coach and train and run a gym now. So that's what I do as a full-time uh, sort of job now. And and, and as does Ian. So um, we, we, we can kind of have the time. I mean, going back, again, Ian just mentioned about lockdown being, good and bad it was certainly good and bad for everyone but for, for me was uh, it allowed me to train a bit more unofficially uh, well actually no officially I, I'm a professional <laughs> fighter so we were allowed for yeah, a hobby that's it, yeah. um, so it allowed us to do that but it also allowed me to really realise that you know what coaching is also something I absolutely love and I want to go full into and it kind of gave me that uh, I don't know the, sound after it but like the dream of, of, of sort of having my own gym and coaching and running something it, it kind of made me really push towards that even though I had real grappling I think at the time I was doing two nights a week I think it was, if you remember right I was doing like the Monday night and the Friday night uh, and this this let us go do you know what let's really push this and we, we both now offer uh, training every single day in our gyms and we have something uh, that's two separate gyms as well as well as working together so we kind of went down that line but the uncaged stuff uh, as much as it set us back a little bit is kind of and again another setback this year was we started the show then I got the Bellator offer so that kind of then put us in a position where we didn't really have the filming times because I was training and Ian, Ian had to be over and sorting things out with me and 
we had to fly out for a week. You know, it was just the timings didn't really work for us. But yeah. we've got a few big things planned, haven't we, in on this? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, hopefully um, <clears throat> get short. It'd be nice to have the, the digital magazine, the the TV show, and then a fight show as well. And that's that's yeah. that's always been sort of the uh, the plan to. To, to, to be going it's just that like I said things have got in the way um, I think especially at the start of this year we we sort of planned to get um, a show each month done with a TV show and then Jamie took the fight well I got off of the fight on Bellator which obviously we weren't going to say no to um, I got the um, the job with uh, GFC Georgian Fighting Championship so that's out in Tbilisi it's like it's the guys that were M1 Georgia so me and Ian Freeman are out there doing that um, every two months now as well. So and I'm having to fit that around my schedule with MMA series. They're really good for um, you know like being being fairly flexible with the, yeah. the planning. But again, you you see that it ends up leaving me with not very much space during sort of weekends and stuff. So me and Jamie are like really trying to uh, balance everything together. Like everything we do, like all weekend uh, and weekend is is MMA, but there's quite a lot of different arms to it, and it's just getting it all um, organised into the right kind of order. Really. Well, ex- except for my modelling career and your film career as well, Ian. So let's not <laughs> well, yeah, 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 sorry. <laughs> there, is two, yeah. there is two other bit elements to this, but that's not MMA related, so it's slightly different. You can see it on Instagram. <laughs> oh, 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 so Ian might have to give up his naps, mightn't he? Well, he'll film around it. He'll film around Yeah, if something's going to give, it's not my naps. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that's put into every single contract yeah. he signs. Yeah, just... need, need to get the naps in, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ian, yourself then, would you ever have any other thoughts about competing again, even if it was just like a charity show or anything like that? Or if, Yeah, if just... um, I mean, I, so I, I boxed. Um, in 2018, I think it was December 2018, um, and because I'd got out of shape and I'd been partying a lot, and um, I ended up quitting drinking. And just to prove to myself really that I could get back in shape, um, I dropped the weight, I dropped like three stone, got myself back into fight shape, and uh, and had the fight. Um, and then focused after that, I focused fully on grappling. So I was doing like pretty much no striking apart from the Tuesdays over at Jamie's when I was helping um, coach the team. I'd jump in and do rounds with everyone. And, um, I, I, you know, I love sparring boxing anyway, so I will jump in if anyone ever asks me. But it's, um, generally, like my main focus is, is on grappling, more specifically no gi grappling, but I do the, I, I do train the gi as well. Um, then I was training... Uh, October, November last year, I was training, uh, signed up for, um, what's that, what's it called, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Naga. Naga, yeah, innit? So it's like a decent, no, like a good no-gi uh, mm. comp. I think they do some gi stuff as well, but it was, I, I entered in uh, for the no-gi. Um, so I was training hard for that and 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 dropping weight and my weight down. I think I was going in under, under 80 kilos and I'm only like walking around like, 84, 85 at the most these days anyway. Um, but I just, I don't know whether like just that cutting that extra little bit away or or maybe just that I'm old enough, warming up properly, whatever. I don't know what, what it was, but um, I, I, I popped my knee and I had the worst injury that I've had probably in, in, in all the time that I've done MMA. Um, and I've, I, so I've torn my posterolateral meniscus and um, a secondary injury like the um, to my LCL. So I've had, um, that was in October. Um, then Naga got cancelled, something to do with Brexit and some issues there. So I wouldn't have actually been competing on it anyway, but I'd, I'd got the injury just just preparing for that. 
And then um, I, I've had to uh, wait. I've luckily got um, one of my students who's friends with a surgeon who uh, who's helped with um, the process of getting me through to um, to have the MRI and everything. So I'm just waiting now for the results of the MRI. I'm grappling, like I'm I'm getting in. I'm teaching the classes. I'm grappling. I've got a lot of pain in the knee uh, with certain movements. Um, but I'm just sort of moving around with the guys that are like under 70 kilos. So I'm not in a position where I can do any competition. I'd love to compete. Like I've competed since I was eight years old in judo, um, boxing. So all through my life I've competed. So it's not, it's something that I definitely Mm. want to do again. And, and it's, you know, you kind of think what's the point in training to fight if we're not going to test it, you know? So he'll compete, he'll compete again. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I just <laughs> I'll, I'll answer it. It, it, it really did. Like, I, I, honestly, like November, December, like I was like, I can't believe this, you know, like sitting at the side for the first time in a long time and having to try and coach from the sidelines is not a nice feeling for someone who's been so involved and like very active and mm. and stuff like that. So it was, you know, like I was kind of like on a bit of a low, like. And then it's been good because, like I said, Jamie got the offer for Bellator and it kind of gives a bit of a spark to be like, you know, let's get back in. And I've, I've been doing so much like rehab stuff that I never would have normally done. Uh, I've took a lot of time to do. And the last consultation I had was like two two weeks ago, just before the MRI. And he said that um, there was some huge, good, huge improvements to the LCL, uh, which Tom, I know, like um, uh, Chris Thompson, like, uh, is um, you know a, a great grappler from the UK and who's had real knee problems and I talked to him a lot about it and he did say that I think the LCL's got like sort of one of the best blood splices out of the ligaments to damage that's if you get a damage one it's possibly the best one yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah so uh, and and luckily like this like I said this they said that the, that seems to have um, seems to be healing so I'm just waiting for the results of the MRI so I can't make any sort of plans until I know what's going on with that but I've kept my weight um, right. I'm I'm training. I'm stretching. I'm probably being a lot more sensible with training than I've been mm. ever in my life. You know, I'm not doing anything hammering too much. I'm you know like going for walks and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm I, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to compete. But at the moment, I just can't make any plans. Yeah, yeah. That fire's that fire's still there though. Definitely. Good stuff. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> He'll compete again, as Jamie said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Jamie, I'm just wondering when will we see you uh, take on Matt Bonner? <laughs> Matt Bonner. Yeah, in in a in a meme off. You, you both love your memes. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better than Matt Bonner at memes. My memes are the best, mate. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I'm the undisputed, undefeated champion in memes. Um, I think if you if you look at what I put together and how quickly I put it together. Right, I am. I'm the king in the groups. Ian, I'll tell you. Like, I can. I, I mean, I've, it's got to the point now where people will message me saying, "Put this guy's head on this." Right, <laughs> and, then, and then and then I'll do it. And then the other guy will message me saying, "Put this head, this head on fucking him." <laughs> and I'm, I'm like basically fighting with two people that I've I've put everything together. I've taken piss out of them, but yeah, uh, my memes are the best. Come well, on, if, uh, if anyone come, if anyone's it, got beef, to come to you to to sort it out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, 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 can, I can sort out with a meme pretty quickly. We can we can savage you pretty quick with a meme as well. Uh, what what what's our motto for for quantum? Ian? We'll, we'll, we'll learn <laughs> well, how to fight. And we we'll say you learn how to fight, and you get a thicker skin. You come to our gym, we're like it's, it's no holds barred on the mats, and that's not just the fighting. Like we are we're pretty we're pretty damn brutal with each other. But I think you need that. You need putting in place. You know, it's not like 
it's not like I don't get it the same. Everybody gets it. Everybody yeah. gives it. And uh, there's none of us that uh, have got the egos where we can't take a, a, a brutal beating. And I think that's how me and him became, you know, really good mates as well. Like I say, we were lucky to work together, but we became good friends because we just had the same sort of banter. And it was like, you know, people that don't know Ian sometimes, I, I think that especially with Dave, if you meet his brother as well, they're a bit weary when they first meet. Ian's a lot easier to talk to, but I don't give a shit. So for me, it's like I met, I met, I met Ian and Dave, and I was just like giving a shout out and laughing straight away. And it kind of just, you get an instant respect because, you know, that's kind of how they grow up and that's how they are. We're, yeah. we're all like that. Everyone's pretty savage. All uh, teams the same, aren't they? Yeah. They, we, we, me and Ian aren't safe. We get shit all the time. Bro. Like, like people, <laughs> well, you know, we've got uh, one of our guys, Adam Evans. Uh, Evans is a top lad, but he gets a lot of shit off us. He's, he's a para, um, you know, tough as can be, but we, we give him some Well, shit basically, yeah. Like, like, I mean, we might as well get it out there. Like, it's like, he's he's basically like, he was the single guy on the team when he like, all never yeah, he was, out. Yeah. And then suddenly, he's in love He's got yeah. every single pictures, him and a bird, love art. He's gone from being a hard para to being a soft ass. How, however, <laughs> he, however, he was ready for the savage route and he knew it was coming. And he's yeah. like, yeah, give it to me, boy. Give it boy to me. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, go back to the meme stuff. I just didn't enjoy that stuff. I think it's funny. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I I usually take myself very like ten years ago. I took myself very serious, and I really worried about what people thought, what people said, and and it, I got to a point where I, I don't give a fuck. I think it's funny to wind. Mate, put it this way: the memes that Jamie shared, <coughs> nothing compared to the ones that are in the group. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've got to see these like, other ones. Yeah, you'll have to send them. You'll have to send them. Ones in the group, like I'll look at them and I'll be like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but you know I, what? It's I, I, um, it's, I was just gonna say, sorry. It's funny you mentioned about like the having that banter and just giving each other shit and that. And we uh, spoke to Enzo Matanelli um oh, yeah. a few weeks back, and he was saying exactly the same thing, wasn't yeah. he? Like the stuff that they come out with, like even the young fighters and stuff like that, is absolutely like r- brutal. And yeah, anyone but... looking in from the outside would think, "What the fuck is going on here?" But <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's just like, all between with, mates. Like with Enzo Macanelli, like like this is like how we've been forever. So my friend Mark Hobson boxed Enzo Macanelli twice as a pro. The first fight was like a twelve round war, you know, like and that that was for the world title, I think. And you know they had a real tough fight. And uh, you know, Boxing News have said it was like one of the best fights that I think it was one of the best fights of the uh, of the year. And then he fought the rematch and, uh, and and Enzo stopped him, I think, first or second round. And he got some brutal abuse. You know, like this has been going on for a long time. So it's like, like I said, there's absolutely no one uh, uh, can hide from the fact that, you know, if you're in the gym, you're getting shit. You yeah. do something daft, you're having it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but we, we've kind of built our mats off it because, and don't get me wrong, he's worked on, uh, you know, uh, against us sometimes where you know good good lads have turned up who are a bit more of an introvert and they've not really they've just not got the banter or thought he's taking a piss at me and kind of left yeah. it's like it is what it is it, it, because you know I think you've got to have that fun on the mats and, and laugh and you know you, we've got uh, one of our young kids uh, Ewo Popovich and he gets some real shit off us real estate but I'll tell you what it's developed him into one yeah. hell of a fighter already like he's only young and he's tough as shit and all his mates are scared to death him, and he's giving his mates shit now, like we used to give him kind of thing. So <laughs> oh, yeah. shit, shit rolls downhill, doesn't it? That's but, it, um, that's it. I, I think our, our atmosphere in the gym, if, you know, anyone that's ever come, they, they, they see how much fun we have and how much we laugh. And when, when we turn it serious, it gets serious. But we have a, I think you've got to have the fun, and, you know, it's not all about um, being serious about this fight, that fight. It's like, you know what? When we went to Bellator, it's a prime example. We got there, you know, we got there. Ian and Andy came out on the Wednesday night, and we was all there, and, 
I, I think people were took back by how gobby we was. Like, you know, it was my first time on the show and none of us give a shit. It was like, it was like we'd been there before, wasn't it? It was like we'd, we'd, we'd been on, on Bellator before because the way we was sort of, not acting, just what it was. Like having a laugh, yeah. taking the piss, calling well, see, I, I did actually feel like it, it was a bit like a, a, an M1 reunion because there was quite a lot of guys up from the old yeah. M1 guys. You know, Fedor was over there. Um, there was Burt Cops and Musassi were there. I've, I've done commentary with Musassi on um, on M1. Burt Cops was the the coach of the um, of the Dutch team, you know, when we were against them. So, and, and then obviously when I was doing the commentary later, I, I, um, I spent a lot of time with Burt over the show. So it was quite a lot of the like the um, the old M1 guys and stuff. So it was nice just uh, for for me as a bit of a reunion with a lot of the guys I've not seen. You know, Fedor and I know fairly well to say it with with the, with the language barrier because I've been at so many of the uh, the shows with him and stuff. So it's nice to see him out there as well with with some of the good young fighters. Yeah, yeah. I think for, for, for me, by the way, on that the stuff on that note, why you mentioned Bruce Asset. So one one thing that I was taken back by for, for sure, um, mass, Obviously, I'm a massive fight fan. If you you know if you look at uh, how I got into the sport originally, like I said before, I was a big fan of everything. I watched all the fighter, you know, I could reel off, and I still can to this day, I can reel off the best fighters. I'm, I'm, I've got a very good fight IQ with that, and I've got a good understanding of the fighters. Now, Musasi is one that I've always loved and thought, this guy's amazing, and Ian, Ian's exactly the same with him, just, just the ability of the guy. You know, he's won championships in Dream, Rising, you know, Bellator. Probably the, the most successful. If you look across his career, I think he's, he, he's arguably won the most high-level titles. You know, if you look at the shows that he's won the titles on, he's pretty much do, done the full lot. And yeah. um, he, his ability, I think, in um, in stand-up, clinch, ground, and, and that's in a grappler's clinch or a striker's clinch. In every single range, he doesn't have a weak area. I was good with a fight with um, Lovato Jr., where I think he just... He, he, he played the grappling game because he wanted to prove he could beat him at grappling and he ended up with his back took for the full last round and he and lost on points. Yeah. But I think other than that, you know, like when you watch, I think that's the only time I think he's, I think he's made a strategic mistake. You know, if you watch when he's, he's fighting, I think all the times he's been beaten by slightly better fighters and stuff. But I think it like generally like, because he's so good in all the, all, all the four ranges, he can um he, he can adapt and he can go out and fight and he's definitely one of my favourites to watch because he's constantly trying to finish in every range. Yeah, yeah. he's he's the best middleweight in the world. He'd be in my opinion, he beat Adesanya. That would that is a, I'd throw I'd throw that one out there. Adesanya's got better striking, but he puts everything together much better. That would be a terrible fight for Adesanya. Musashi would be a horrible fight for him just because of, you know where's he going to put him that he's going to be in danger apart from the field. If I remember, oh. Mas- I, I think Musashi um, left. Um, UFC, he just, he just, he just um, left. There was contractual disagreements. It wasn't because he'd lost. He was four on the bounce. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he won four on the bounce and he left. Yeah. He left for money. Four, he so, so, so it kind of brings me to, to like, say, uh, one of the one of the sort of experiences that I had over there, uh, as well as seeing Paige Van Sant in the flesh and going out on the piss with her. That was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a lot. That was a lot. Of um, not, but, not, 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 you want to share there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 um, so it, it, this was, uh, I was, we were cutting weight, and, and Musashi ended up like in, in the sauna with me and him, just, just, you know, we were just chatting away, and he was like, he was like just talking. I mean, I, I know he's a normal guy, really, but you know, this is like the world champion. He's also, you know, one, an idol, and stuff like that. And he was sort of sat there and to have that experience, and, and to, to him to give me advice on stuff, fight advice, and just life advice. He just, he was funny. He was like, you know. At one point, he was checking if I'm sweating enough and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is the world champion who, who I've looked up to for so long. And it's like I'm sat with my mate now. 
And he yeah. kind of he was an experience. It was it was a special experience. So. I, I like like I said, I'd seen him fight. We fought on um uh, like on on M1 2009, and then 2010, I did um me and Ian Freeman did a show in Kiev, and then we flew from Kiev to Helsinki, and Masasi was in Helsinki, and he sat and the three me Ian and uh, and um, uh, Masasi did the the commentary together, and that was a real good experience as well. Because when you do the commentary, so you get to really see how they think about a fight, and um, you know, it's it's one thing watching someone fight and and thinking like what was the game plan and going in and things like that, but it's another thing hearing him break down how he reads a fight. And that was yeah. another interesting thing for me, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think, think that's the beauty of the sport as well. The fact that you can meet someone, like you said, you consider them as an idol and then like you just feel like he's your mate all of a sudden, you know I mean, in a few yeah, minutes. That was literally how it was. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I've, I've met and I've worked with and I've trained with uh, some amazing fighters. I think being me and Ian have been two of the probably most lucky people within the broadcasting side of, of the UK. That I've got to really work with these guys. Sean Claude Van Damme's got to be a stand-up for me. <laughs> yeah, like, I have to say, like as things go, I, that, in fact, it, um, in Kiev, um, the 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 Russian commentary team was um, uh, Igor Vovchanchin. So there's a, a nice picture of me and him, and he was a like growing up, you know, watching. Um, like sort of the early pride and the um and the and the old tournaments and stuff. He was like, I was a big fan of Vovchenshin, so it was nice to meet him there. And like I said, to fly from 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 being there and seeing him in um in Kiev to the next night doing commentary in Masase just shows like how big M1 was then. It was like you know that there were some good years. Like those first few years with M1, I thought were amazing. You know, like I got some real. I, when I look back, I said like the. From retiring in 2009, I've had some of my best times actually through retirement. Some, uh, you know, amazing opportunities meeting guys like Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, Roy Jones Jr., who was my favorite boxer by a long shot. And I got the chance that he was um, in Orenburg, he performed live for M1, he performed the um, Can't Be Touched song. And then I got to meet him backstage and after show party and, and chat and things like that. So, you know, it, it, it's been. The, the, you know what? Like you said, you asked me the question at the start, like how did I get into it, and 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 a little bit about my career. Like I, I could literally tell you all day, like amazing things that have happened from this sport, and I'll, you know, I, I love it. It is actually my life. Yeah, same, same, same with me as well. Like I say, you know, wouldn't be anywhere um, near where I'm in life without the the, the, the moments I've had, and like I say, me and being able to share some experience together with people, but um, meet meet certain guys in the sport and. It's been amazing, really, so far, and you know, and it was it's a mad point for both me and Ian now. I think where we, a lot of the stars that are coming through are, are our friends or, mm. or people. You know, Molly, you know, me and Ian are very close to Molly, and uh, she came out to Ireland to watch my fight. And she is absolutely was, amazing. Like you yeah. watch her as a fighter, like she is hard as nails. You know, really, really, really hard. And yeah, it's like, she is. You know, like she, she, she. Some of the like the wins on um, UFC where she's not been the favorite, and she's come out, and it's like she's not asked whether she's a favorite or not. She's coming out, she's fighting, and she's winning. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I love watching her. You know, like I, I, I'm still a fight fan, just like a proper fight fan, and she is one that I would never miss one of her fights to watch. Just yeah, guaranteed excitement and leaving yeah. everything on the line. She'll leave everything in there. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, definitely. when I went to UFC London, uh, you know, like I say, I'd gone from, I went to my first UFC event, uh, 105 it was, 
Michael Bisping uh, versus Dennis Kang. Um, it was a, a fantastic experience. It was amazing. But I didn't know anyone on the card. Like, I, I knew the fighters, as in I knew who they were. Yeah. Uh, but I went to UFC London and I literally knew pretty much one side of every fight or near enough every fight. And it was yeah. quite, quite amazing. We're looking through, like, Mohamed Makayev, again, being Ian, I've been close to Mohamed. We've had him on our show um, again. I actually uh, interviewed, he was, he was the first person I interviewed when I took on the MMA Uncaged uh, magazine. Yeah. I sent him some interview questions and uh, and got back some really shocking reply, like, you know, how did you get over here and things like that. And I was like, yeah. wow, like, the guy's had a real tough upbringing and he's, you can see why he's so focused and so hard and determined. You know, yeah. the, like the, the, the answers he gave me, I was like a bit, wow. Like, yeah. you know, is he, uh, again, uh, uh, a star who you could see early on and, um, and could we, tell we, he's com- we, be commented, we commented his first ever amateur fight on Shinobi. Um, and then to, to go and watch him do what he did in the UFC was amazing. But like I say, we're at that point now, you know, of you know, known Paddy and, and, and whatnot for, for uh, and the team over there, the next gen team, great team over there, like I say, with Mollum and everything like that. But you know, known Paddy from the local scene for, for years, he's the FCC champion, so yeah. It was great, and and it's mad to see the you know the the impact that these people are now having. Tom Aspinall, another one. You no, know, um, I, I I I queued up to see Tom uh, last week uh, at the expo because he I, you know he's a, he's a good mate, and I wanted to to see him and stuff like that. And he, he stopped out with the queue and he went, Jamie, why are you queuing up? Like, I'll come see, I'll, I'll come, he's like, I'll come and see you anytime. I'll just come to your gym. Me and Mrs. We were laughing, and it was like I said, I just want to come and see you, like. <laughs> because you know, at the end of the day, it's like you know he's he's doing so well, and you know he's probably not going to have time to answer his phone all the time to you now and things like that. But you know what? It was nice to, to have that. And that's kind of where where I think being in have been at. Being probably been been out of that for the last few years. I'm kind of at that point now where these guys that are really coming through now on this new wave. Because I know it, so the last wave of talent that came through were Ian's friends. So that was you know you, uh, Paul Daly, um, Dan Hardy. They were they were coming through early sort of. 2010-11, wasn't it? And they were already... So I'm kind of at that point where Ian was at now, that yeah. then. And it's yeah. quite surreal to see, and it's like, you feel like you're bullshitting people and you're saying, oh, yeah, no, I know I'm there, like, you know, or whatever. And they're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> no, I have. I fucking have. So, Tom Asbury will definitely give me a fucking grappling masterclass and hiding me all over. <laughs> definitely <laughs> happened, trust me. <laughs> well, I'm trying to slip through Instagram, trying to find the picture. Yeah, look. Like, got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I found it. <laughs> uh, another one's uh, Gavi as well. I know you train, trained with yeah. Gav as well, haven't you? So, I'd, I'd yeah. It's, it's... I still train with Gav now. Uh, you know, with me, me and Gav have got a real bond for, for, for life, really. With, uh, you know, we train together at Tom's and became really good friends and uh, he's done a lot for my my career and just in just in being there like and just you know you can ring him anytime or you can just turn up for for to, to train with him but he's, he's he's a cool guy and he's doing so you know, yeah, so well guy. and he's he's on he's on uh, the Paris card Bellator mm, yeah and, you know he's got a really tough fight but I know Gav Gav's one of the toughest guys you'll see he, he his actual style reminds me a lot of Ian um, so when you watch him and the way he tries to he'll, he'll create he'll make you fight the, the fight you don't want and that's kind of what, what he's been very good at and then a lot of time you know Gav, Gav was probably a striker but kept choking people because they kept trying to take him down because he'd, he'd go at them and he was like he didn't give a shit who he was and Biggie Thomason was, was the fight that changed changed me my my views on Gav and made me realise how tough he was when he attacked Biggie had just uh, knocked out Bobby Pallet 
uh, with a horrendous head kick on Shinobi on one, I think Shinobi three or four. And Gav fought him on the next one and it was for the title. I think Biggie had the title. And, you know, from this knockout artist, you'd think, oh, Gav's going to have to take it down or do something. And Gav just beating the shit out of him standing. <laughs> and it was one, of, yeah, again, I think being Ian at the time, one of the best fights we'd seen at amateur level. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we'd seen both having a good pro career. I don't think Biggie's gone too far in the pro side, but we know obviously Gav has. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's move on then. So um, usually at, at the end of these, we have a sort of a little fun pass. Usually ask, would you rather questions? Okay. Um, so uh, there's only a couple of them. So we're jumping with the first one. So would you rather be forced to listen to the same 10 songs on repeat for the rest of your life or forced to watch the same five films on repeat for the rest of your life? Five films. Five films. Five films, and I could tell you the five probably. Go on, then. So, can I choose the five? Is that all? Um, yeah, yeah. That Go one for it. Yeah, that's easy. I'd say <laughs> Goodfellas, Heat, Shawshank Redemption, Usual Suspects. I'll think of a fifth. And, and you know what? <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, I'd go for uh, old school, which is again another belt of comedy. Uh, Top Gun would be in there, um, Casino, Goodfellas, and probably Shawshank as well, or maybe Forrest yeah. Gump. One of uh, Forrest Gump or Shawshank, one of the two. You're not, you're not fans of music, <laughs> <laughs> just, just completely discarded that oh, one. Oh, yeah, that was a quick answer. <laughs> That's <laughs> ten too many songs. Yeah. <laughs> Good film choices, though. I like them. Yeah. Um, so, next one: Would you rather have to always hop around on one foot, or always have to squat? I've, I've, I've been forced in the last sort of six months to <laughs> hop around on one leg, and it's been shit. So I'm going to go squat. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be in a different. position where I could comfortably squat. That'd be nice. <laughs> You'd have to do one leg squats if that's the yeah. case. Then. Yeah. Uh, I'm going. I'm going squat too. I think hopping around would be a uh, would be shitting around me and me injuries. So no. But yeah. just just think though, if you're always squatting, it looks like you need you like you're gonna shit yourself or something. If you're always squatting, ah, but yeah, you, but you, listen, you shit, you've, got, you've, got, like, you've got to think about this long term, yeah. <laughs> and if you're gonna be squatted and moving around. At least you're going to be balanced in your body. If you yeah. hop around all the time, you're going to go very one-sided, aren't you? You're going to have like a big, one, big muscly leg, muscly ass cheek. Like you sit on the toilet, you have one muscly ass cheek. One leg that's pathetic. I think it's really important to think about like the the, the long-term consequences of these actions. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, we, we didn't say you can't switch the rounds. So just on one foot yourself. Oh. <laughs> Switch it up all the time. For the next question, could you just make sure you fill us in on all the details? <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel that was misleading. Need all, need all the semantics. <laughs> um, okay, then. So let me just look at the next one and just see if there's anything need to clarify. Um, uh, so <laughs> would, you rather, would you rather have a face that everyone laughs at or a name that everyone laughs at? I think I well okay. I think everyone already laughs at my face because of the meme. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to stick with that. Cause I'm happy with that one. Uh, as long as as long as people find me funny. Yeah, I think as long as people are laughing, I'm happy. Yeah. You, you wouldn't want a, a face that made everyone look angry, would you? 
Yeah. No, yeah. I suppose yeah. not. Yeah, as long as people are laughing, I'm happy. Yeah, as long as you don't want to face that, people want to punch you, at least outside the cage anyway. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> back, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like, obviously, you've got your face forever, but the name, like, I think that's just as bad, isn't it? Like, if you have a crazy name, like... <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the one that comes to me I like for the man name is off like to speak with me that's Silas Ramos bottom <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad name <laughs> um, right so last one we've got of these then is uh, would you rather only ever take hot showers or only ever take cold showers oh, hot showers definitely definitely <laughs> yeah see I, I, the do, cold, I, the cold. I will do cold showers and cold baths but I'm not a fan. Like, I do them because I think they're, they're good for your health. I'm at the moment, um, and, I, and I know Jamie will know that I'm try, just trying to edge in the fact that I'm a movie star. But um, <laughs> <laughs> in, um, in the film I'm doing, um, I'm going to end up, like, in cold water. Like, I, so I'm having cold baths at the moment to prepare for having to go. Like, the Yorkshire cold is colder than normal cold. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I can tell you that now. Yeah, Definitely. so, um, I, and I'm and I'm really disliking it. If I could have warm, hot showers, like red hot showers for the rest of my life, I'd be a lot happier. But, but <laughs> be, before you said you got to think of the long-term effects and health benefits, doesn't cold water have more health benefits? Yeah, oh yeah, it definitely has more health benefits, but I'll be a grumpy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm healthy, but I can't fucking And that'll, that'll be bad for everyone else's health. Yeah, there'll be, um, no, there'll, be, there'll be no one around me laughing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Even with the face. <laughs> yeah, even with, even with this face. Before we, before we wrap up, I'm going to have to go for a wee again. <laughs> I'm going to piss the fan, so two minutes. <laughs> um, so one more question I've, I've just thought of, with yourself being a big movie star now, Ian, um, when you eventually do win that Oscar, who are you going to slap on stage? <laughs> uh, well, put it this way. right? Let, let, let's talk about that slap. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a slap. Well, this is what I'm going to say now. <laughs> as, as someone who, who, for a job, breaks down fights and, and watches fights, like what you got to look at here is we've got a guy who played Muhammad Ali, trained boxing for, for quite a long time and did a good job in that Ali film. You know, like I think as, a, as, a, as someone watches, who watches boxing movies, you know, he did a decent job. You've got a guy who he, he went over to, to slap who is effectively a welterweight or something, you know, like nowhere close to being the same sort of size. Yeah, yeah. And it had no effect. For me, that was bullshit. <laughs> like, I'm calling bullshit straight away. <laughs> like, even as actors, there was just, no, the, the acting wasn't very good. Like, it was just, <laughs> let's do something to take the attention away from all the other bullshit that's going on in the world. Because there was absolutely no way that a, a Will Smith, who's trained in boxing, couldn't do some sort of damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a shambles. Like, I mean, they must have forgot that they were at acting award show. You know what I mean, just... yeah, there was no no awards going out there. <laughs> and the fact is, didn't he win an award as well after that or something? Will Smith, yeah, he won best best actor. Well, he won so. it straight after, didn't it? Like, yeah, it was, yeah. Like, like it was set up for that. But yeah, did, did, did Chris have to give it to him as well? <laughs> yeah, like thanks oh, for that. Would have been funny, wouldn't it? There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was no. We were was just um, we were just asking Ian when he wins his Oscar, who he's going to slap on stage. Probably me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably Jamie. I'd just like I'm... to thank Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I just whack him with the Oscar. Yeah. 
Well, we, we actually we actually um, had a gym. <laughs> we actually bought some mini Oscars, didn't we, for our gym? Ian. Um, I've actually, I think mine's still around. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it is. So, so it's um, around here somewhere. I'm not sure. So, um, I mean, I'm going to say it was around about COVID time, but obviously before COVID when you could uh, have parties and stuff. Uh, we had a party in the old gym. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely all legal. Um, yeah. And we we had like the full, uh, we had the full real Grappling England team. So we got all 50, 60 people in the gym. Uh, the gym didn't really fit that many people either. So and it was quite quite a mad <laughs> night. And Especially guys... right in the middle of the in the height of lockdown. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, apparently it was. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had we had, we had this um, awards evening. It was like towards Christmas time. End up hiring a stripper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had we had we had some of the guys that wasn't even fighters that was friends that wanted to fight each other. So we're like, well, we've got a boxing ring and some gloves, so I'll ref. We're all pissed. Let's do it. I, oh, I'm absolutely steaming, I'm laughing my head off with like with two of the two lads that definitely can't fight trying to fight each other. He's brilliant. So, um, but anyway, in, in the midst of that, we had um, we had an awards evening where we where me and Ian uh, give out awards, the most ridiculous things like pressure tap of the tap of the ear in the gym just just stupid things yeah um and i think he has even got it there he's got the, the award uh, it's on here somewhere i know that it did have pride of place but uh <laughs> sam kelly our little band waiter, has just put me a new full desk on so that i've got like a new top and um and i, I wouldn't be surprised if he had stolen my oscar <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised because to be fair they were i mean i think i'm pretty sure it was a pack of 24 for six quid so they, <laughs> they were very very cherishable items uh, that uh, definitely went missing immediately, but yeah. So we we did our own Oscars, uh, and it went really really well. And there was a few fights. It was great. Did 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 Ian slap you there? Uh, no, he didn't. No, but he did. He did. We did nearly have a, have a fight with the very gypsy community at one point, which was quite funny. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a gypsy camp just up the road, like a, sort of the traveller site, and uh, they weren't happy with us having loads of cars parked up there, and then came down. So then that nearly ended up in a. Yeah, they, 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 they I mean, to be a bit them, like Mon, about people parking anywhere they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was quite funny because they, they definitely picked the wrong guy to argue with. Um, they're probably the wrong guy to argue with in our team. It would be probably me, Ian, Andy, and then Evo. So Evo, uh, Adam Evans is, is the one that you don't argue with because he will not argue back with a puncher. That's pretty much, <laughs> pretty much how it works. Uh, we got some funny stories on that for another time, but yeah. So uh, they decided to argue with Evo, whatever. We just fucking straight away going, "Come on, man!" <laughs> and well, I mean, care how, you, how many you can't lose an argument if you don't argue back, can you? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was a fun night. So that was our own version of the Oscars, wasn't it? Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. Um, well, look, we're gonna. I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Really enjoyed having you both on, Jamie. Best of luck with the fight on Sunday. Um, hopefully, you come away with that W. And Ian, been great talking to you, and can't wait to see you both doing what you do best again very soon. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Um, Cheers for having us on, guys. Thank you very much. Thank no you. problem. were super necessary.
vicious and delicious. 